0: Hello and welcome aboard This Island Nation, the Maritime Programme. Tom McSweeney here with the programme about Ireland's maritime culture, history, tradition and development. On this edition, the new concept for Ireland of marine protected areas, what they will mean and why their development will need careful planning, and special support schemes for those affected.
1: I want one for marine conservation encapsulating fishermen that, much like the farmers get their single farm payment, When they get for protecting the red kite, the Natha Jack Toad, the Callows and the Shannon, there's hundreds of farmers getting payment each year for a conservation method and you want the same for fishermen.
0: And being common means that this member of the marine mammal community, a harbinger of summer, is being
2: overlooked. An estimated six to seven thousand minky whales occur in Irish waters during the summer, with two to four thousand during the winter.
0: This island nation is Ireland's maritime radio programme coming to you from Community Radio Yall. CRY 104FM on the East Cork coastline and bringing together the maritime community, an island people bonded by the sea around us. The maritime world is a wonderful place with a panorama of interest upon which humans are so dependent. It has never been more important to understand our interaction with the oceans. Justin Marr and myself will be covering many aspects of that in the next half hour.
3: You can contact the programme by email to thisislandnation@gmail.com. at gmail.com That's thisislandnation@gmail.com, at gmail.com and by phone or text to 0872 197. That's 0872 555 197. The introduction of marine protected areas around the Irish coast, in line with EU requirements, will have major effects on coastal maritime usage. For 50 years, Kevin Flannery has been involved with the sea. A former fisheries officer and a founder of Dingle Ocean World Aquarium, he's most sought after when unusual species are found in waters off the southwest coast, where many have been arriving in recent years. One of the most respected marine biologists in Ireland, he's been telling Tom what the development of marine protected areas will mean.
1: They're coming in one way or another, Tom, by the EU. There's a, the EU are got to demand X number of MPAs in every country. And what I'm talking about is that this has to be done in conjunction with the fishermen, drawing a line in the map and saying this is an MPA and doing nothing. And we've had so much... Of fishermen banned from bass fishing to dogfish to salmon to tuna, and it's just, oh, ban the fishermen. Whereas I want a consultation process. We now have enough organizations in Ireland in the fishing industry, maybe one too many, but at least you have consultation with them. And it's time we use the EMF funding put a program in the new EMF. The current EMF is finished, so there'll be a new EMF program. It'll be called the European Maritime Aquaculture Fishery Fund. And within that, there will be a specific program, like the way the SFPA got a huge volume of the last EMF money for their fishery protection. The Marine Institute got theirs. BIM had a series of programs inside it, and I want one for marine conservation encapsulating fishermen that much like the farmers get their single farm payment when they, they get for protecting the red kite the Natha Jack Toad, the Callows and the Shannon, there's hundreds of farmers getting payment each year for a conservation method and you want the same for fishermen that if there's a suspension on their fishing for crayfish is all you want them to do Is nobody to be netting in this specific area, they can fish away with pots, they can dredge for oysters But they can't use any nets in this area so that you allow the species of sharks, rays, skates and the whole lot that are indigenous, unique to Ireland, that come into these bays and allow them to move freely in and out. Any person that doesn't comply or, or come in with it won't get this single conservation payment once a year.
0: Seems like a very sensible um, proposal, and it's based on what you've been seeing around you, obviously, in Dingle and Tralee Bay.
1: Well, for years, I'm I'm nearly 50 years collecting the stats and data and working, and I work well with all the various academics and organisations and local fishermen. And we know the times and the dates when all these species, the, it truly really is unique. What I'm saying, Tom, is that in relation to the new EMF that's coming out, that a conservation for these marine protected areas be put in place and that fishermen be included in a, a single payment once a year, a decent payment if we're going to limit it, rather than drawing a line and saying, oh, you can't fish in like that, Are you banned from crayfish, Are you banned from this fishing industry have had enough of that and the fishermen have had enough and the funding that's been made available from europe is there but for the organizations and for the whole lot of them to wake up to it and as well if the marine institute or the department of the marine have intend to bring in these marine protected areas then they must put in uh, an account for it into the maritime fishery fund and get the funding to subsidize the fishermen and if you bring the fishermen with you you won't have the illegal activity because if you're putting money in their pocket once a year, like you do with a farming fraternity where they get their cheque coming up to Christmas, they will guarantee and mind that area and they won't allow it to be black
0: Indeed, you make an interesting point, Kevin, because I remember as a very junior reporter on a newspaper in West Cork when uh, sea angling used to bring a whole pile of species on shore, and then they were just thrown back in the sea. Times have changed, obviously, and need to change further.
1: Oh, they do, Tom, uh, dramatically. And I mean, the anglers have brought it on board, and inland fisheries now have said, you know, we have to put a ban on all that kind of thing, and hopefully that's in place and, and people are reason. But to assist the fishermen rather than this, my, I mean, those piece of legislation brought in and you can hand it over to the SFPA and the Navy, next thing you'll have fellows being arrested and fellows doing illegal activity and the whole lot. What you've got to do with the funding that is being made available, I mean, this new commission have put their hand up and said this is going to be a conservation environmental commission and they're putting their hand up offering this funding be made available. Now, the SFPA and the, the, the fishery protection people have taken aid, 60 to 80 million from the previous EMF. This new EMF, the fishermen organizations, have to stand up and say, right. If we're going to be closed off in area fishing, if we're going to bring in MPAs, they ha- we have only one conservation program running. That's the Be Not Lobster program that's running. And we're going to be in dire straits. We need to increase that dramatically because everybody now is concentrating on lobster because you can't sell a crab to China. The Chinese market is closed down. So everybody is just concentrating on lobster. And they are going to suffer. But if there is funding available, a series of conservation programs like that. There's no point, uh, well-meaning, hand them over to the, the BIM and to the Marine Institute. We need on the ground, front line, as they say, boots on the ground, that the fishermen are participating and they're taking part in it and they're getting rewarded for doing this, Tom. That's the only way I see it we've had enough of you close up the dog fishery you close up the bass fishery you close the tuna fishery you close the salmon fishery and you're pushing people into a corner and you will have a legal activity but if you bring them with you and if you encourage them and reward them i think that's the future
0: and finally kevin Trinity bay is obviously a, a very important area from what you've been seeing from the photographs of so many different um, species around there now it's really kind of yeah. a, 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 as I think it was put put as a maternity area almost for fish. But I
1: I would call it a maternity unit, but I also call it the Serengeti for the rays and sharks, and that is where they all accumulate because obviously the high level of plankton being accumulated coming down off the Shannon, the Buteers, the whole lot. You have the juvenile sprats, the heading and the marshal and the whole lot. So therefore, they're all coming in to release their young, and it's it's vitally important in that sense. But there's nobody. Stopping pot fishing. There's nobody stopping the dredging for ices. They have enough of problems in attempting to sell their ices. We're not stopping that. What you're stopping is let's not put fences or gates and let's reward people for not doing that, Tom, because it's vitally it, it's important that we maintain these species. Because if we lose them and the fishermen, everybody's pointing the finger at the fishermen, and the fishermen are not responsible, but they have to be encouraged and they have to be rewarded if they're going to help out.
0: Kevin Flannery, a man widely respected and honoured for his commitment to the maritime sphere, and whose opinions should be taken note of in the development of marine protected areas. 421 trainees were given voyages by Sail Training Ireland last year. That's the biggest number ever provided for, according to the organisation's annual report. However, due to the COVID-19 crisis, it has to cancel all voyages this year, because there was no way that the social distancing requirements could be ensured for safety of the trainees and crews. Social distancing is also a major issue in resuming competitive sailing racing.
3: Among the many inhabitants of the seas around Ireland, there is one that is present in thousands. But being common means you can be overlooked, even if you're a harbinger of summer. As Dr Simon Barrow, Chief Executive of the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group, now tells us.
2: It is ironic that our common species are often not as well known as their abundance entitles them to be. The minky whale is our most abundant baleen whale and heralds the summer in our inshore waters, like the cuckoo or swallow does on land. The minky whale got its name from a Norwegian novice whale spotter called Minky, who supposedly mistook a minky whale for a blue whale. Only after they harpooned it and brought it to the boat did they realise it was a species new to science. Minky whales only grow to around 8 metres and weigh 5 to 8 tonnes, a far shout from the largest animal ever to have lived on our planet. They typically occur from May to October in inshore waters. Where they go during the winter was a mystery. They don't appear to travel south to warmer waters, but perhaps move offshore, probably to mate. A minky whale satellite tagged off Iceland did venture down to the northwest coast of Ireland. From the recent observed study, an estimated six to 7,000 minky whales occur in Irish waters during the summer, with two to 4,000 during the winter. This suggests minkies occur year-round in Irish waters and perhaps carve and breed here. Over the last month, Minky whales have been seen in large numbers off the southwest coast, sometimes as many as 30 to 40 have been reported to the Irish whale and Dolphin Group. Typically, they are seen in 1s and 2s, and are now off all coasts, appearing later further north and in the Irish Sea. We think they are feeding on sand eels at this time of year, but their diet can vary considerably and include crustaceans and mollusks. However, small schooling fish, including sprat and herring, are their preferred prey in Ireland. There has been no study of the diet or feeding ecology of minky whales in Irish waters. Many years ago, a minky whale was found one morning inside a salmon cage in Donegal Bay. The farm workers could see no damage to the nets, nor fish eaten, and suspected the whale had accidentally jumped into the cage. The minky whale was released unharmed, along with a few hundred salmon. Minky whales could be hard to see. There is no visible blow on surfacing like all the other baleen whales, and their small size means often very little of their body appears above water. Small whales can easily be misidentified as dolphins, but their dorsal fin is two-thirds along the way of their back. They have a triangular-shaped head which often clears the water on surfacing. Up close, the white band on their pectoral fins is diagnostic. Minky whales frequently breach and are inquisitive and may approach boats. Minke whales are often the first real whale people see in Ireland, whether from small angling boats or from land. Sometimes you hear their blow before you see them, especially on calm days. Minke whales were still hunted by Iceland and Norway up to very recently. They have never really been targeted in Irish waters. They do strand, sometimes alive, and the Irish whale and dolphin group have increasingly noted evidence of entanglement in pot ropes on stranded individuals. The extent of this interaction is not clear, but does need to be reported to see if this is a significant pressure on minky whales in Ireland. Often overlooked, do admire minky whales if you have the opportunity to see them. Widespread off all Irish coasts, but little known, we do need to understand more about their lives and habitat requirements. Being common means you can be overlooked, but the minky whale is an important member of our marine mammal community and is a real harbinger. Of the summer. This is Dr. Simon Barrow of the Irish and Dolphin Group for this island nation. Tiny rockabill
0: off Skerries in County Dublin must be one of the most socially isolated places in Ireland, but it is vital in seabird research. COVID 19 has made it difficult for those who carry out that research, as Niall Hatch of
4: Birdwatch Ireland reports. These are tough times for wildlife charities like Birdwatch Ireland. The COVID-19 restrictions have meant that many of our breeding bird surveys have had to be cancelled this year and they've also impacted the running of many of our conservation projects. Social distancing and travel restrictions have made it harder than ever to carry out our vital conservation work. We're delighted at least that our flagship roseate tern conservation project on Rockabill Island has been able to proceed more or less as normal. Tiny Rockabill, which is several kilometres off the coast of Skerries, County Dublin, must be one of the most socially isolated places in Ireland and after a period of quarantine and medical assessment, our three summer wardens have been able to take up residence on the island, where they now comprise the entire human population. Rockabill is a hard place to get to at the best of times, but this summer access has had to be restricted even further. This is to ensure the safety of Birdwash Island's wardens, and also to make certain that the project can continue without interruption. Right now, around 1,600 pairs of roseate terns, representing by far the largest European colony of what is Europe's rarest breeding seabird, are laying and incubating their eggs, and the first chicks are expected to hatch very soon. The island is also home to over 2,000 pairs of common terns, plus a smaller number of arctic terns, kittiwakes, and black guillemots. Although physical access to the seabird haven is impossible, you can at least follow the fortunes of the birds on the wardens, Emma, Christy, and George, via their rockablog blog on the Birdwatcherland website. Work is also going ahead on our swift summer conservation projects. Swifts aren't seabirds, it's true, but they are birds that spend a lot of time around the coast and even out over the ocean. They're tremendous flyers, and some swifts apparently even fly from their nests in Ireland to France to feed, then back again to Ireland that same day. Indeed, we still have a lot to learn about these amazing birds, and we're asking anyone who's at sea and happens to spot swifts flying overhead to make a note of the time, position and direction. It would be fascinating to be able to discover more about their lives. They spend more time on the wing than any other creature, and the only reason that they land at all is to lay their eggs and raise their chicks each summer. In autumn, they head to sub-Saharan Africa and spend their time high in the sky, feeding on insects. However, they won't actually land again until it's time to nest the following year in Ireland. They literally fly non-stop for nine months. This is a vulnerable time of year for many seabirds, as they often have to travel long distances to find food for their hungry chicks, then fly back to feed them. With so many birds concentrated in comparatively small areas of the sea, the effects of things such as oil pollution can be massive. Even a very small spill can have a huge impact on them. We are asking for anyone who happens to come across dead or struggling seabirds, either on land or at sea, to inform Birdwatch Ireland so that possible problems can be identified and hopefully rectified before too many birds are affected. It is much harder to monitor birds at sea than it is on land, so any help at all will be greatly appreciated. Speaking of help, I'd like to end with a special plea on behalf of Birdwatch Ireland. I mentioned that these are difficult times for wildlife charities like ours, and one of the reasons for this is that all of our public membership recruitment and fundraising events, such as Bloom in the Phoenix Park and the Dublin Horse Show, have been cancelled. Please, if you'd like to support the work that we do, as well as receive our award-winning magazines and take part, once restrictions have been lifted, of course, in over 450 outings and talks throughout the year, then join Birdwatch Ireland today. You'll find all the details and can sign up at www.birdwatchireland.ie.
0: Niall Hatch of Birdwatch Ireland. Now, Justin has a roundup of maritime news from home and overseas waters.
3: Despite objections, the hull of the RMS Titanic is to be cut open to retrieve the ship's Marconi wireless telegraph machine. The RMS Titanic Incorporated Company, which has held salvage rights to the wreck since the 1980s, has been given permission by Judge Rebecca Beach Smith of the U.S. District Court in Norfolk, Virginia, to retrieve the telegraph. She ruled that they should only minimally cut into the wreck in order to reach the ship's telegraph room. The company plans to send an unmanned submersible into the wreck this summer to retrieve the device. The United States government agency, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, was amongst those opposing permission. It said that in the public's interest, the Titanic should be left alone as a mass gravesite because it is the final resting place for the remains of 1,500 people. The Telegraph sent out the ship's final distress messages on the nights of April 14th and 15th, 1912, after it hit an iceberg in the North Atlantic. An oil spillage in Russia will damage an Arctic river for decades. 22,000 tonnes of fuel and lubricants leaked from a storage tank at an aluminium plant near the city of Norilsk in eastern Russia in late May, but was kept from public knowledge by factory management, who prevented inspections until it was revealed on social media. President Vladimir Putin declared a state of emergency in the region. A cleanup is continuing, but Russian environmental and fishing authorities have described it as an ecological catastrophe that will take decades to restore. Development of the world's first fully autonomous container ship has been put on hold indefinitely because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Norwegian fertilizer producer Yara had teamed up with maritime technology company Kongsberg to develop the ship, which was intended to replace the use of 40,000 truckloads per year in the transportation of fertilizer products. A Dutch company is to establish an offshore wind supply base on 200,000 square meters of land close to Rosslare port. It will be called Rosslare Europort Business Park and used as a base to serve future offshore wind farms. Rosslare Europort Management says it will be a hub for the delivery of turbines and other components for wind farm developments in the Irish and Celtic Sea and will boost the port, create employment and boost the local economy through increased shipping. And finally, the story of a ship's survival. Deepwater searches have located the wreck of the American warship Nevada off the coast of Hawaii. 65 nautical miles southwest of Pearl Harbour, where it was attacked by Japanese aircraft in World War II, killing 69 of her crew and wounding 109 others. Those who survived managed to ground the 27,500-ton battleship, which was repaired and took part in the D-Day landings in Europe and the invasion of Okinawa. It was launched during World War I in 1914 and operated out of Bantry Bay and Cove, escorting transatlantic convoys. Withdrawn from active service after the Second World War, it was used as a target in nuclear bomb tests at Bikini Atoll, which it survived and was eventually sunk by gunfire during naval exercises in 1948. The wreck is 15,400 feet beneath the surface, but according to the research team which found it, is an iconic ship that speaks of American stubbornness. Maybe President Trump could use that thought.
0: Agriculture, that's fish farming, is increasing in importance in the seafood sector. Last year's report by Wara, the state fisheries development agency, put its value at over 200 million euros. It's also an important source of employment in coastal areas. But Theresa Morrissey, aquaculture executive at the IFA, which represents the country's fish farmers, says that it needs more recognition and a better licensing system than the state provides at present.
5: We don't get the limelight as much as our counterparts in agriculture and fisheries, but nonetheless, aquaculture is playing a huge role in terms of food security across Europe and across the world at the moment in providing a viable food source, predominantly, I suppose, in the finfish fish market uh, with, with salmon and trout produce, um, which is going mainly to the retail market. But, yeah, we certainly don't get the limelight in as much as we, we as our, our counterparts in fisheries and agriculture do. Actually, something like this, a crisis like this, highlights the need for something like aquaculture, you know, it's the fast, It was the fastest growing food production system in the world up to up to now, and I don't think that will be any different after COVID either.
0: That would bring up, wouldn't it, Theresa, a subject. The licensing system is still far from where it should be.
5: Yeah, look, at, um, I suppose in Ireland, the Irish lic- aquaculture licensing system is far from perfect, and I think all quarters of the equation acknowledge that. Significant difficulties with uh, the aquaculture licencing system over the past number of years, some of which we are at the beginning of overcoming, or is, it's it's a thing of the past necessarily for shellfish in that the backlog for shellfish has been cleared, but there's a fairly significant body of work still to be cleared for um to get into for, for finfish uh, renewals of, of aquaculture licences for, for finfish. So there's a, quite a body of work to do there and a huge um, hurdle to overcome um, that we were working on, uh, overcoming uh, with, with the department and with um, our members of, in the industry. But there are significant improvements that need to be made in the aquaculture licencing system if aquaculture is to continue to develop here in Ireland Teresa Morrissey,
3: IFA Aquaculture Executive, ending this edition of the Maritime Programme, This Island Nation.
0: We hope you've enjoyed our visit to the maritime world and thank you for your company. Sound supervision on the programme by Justin. One of our regular contacts, Eugene Furlong, one of the country's leading voices on the polar regions, and the leader of the campaign to honour Edward Bransfield, that's the Corkman, who was the first to set eyes on Antarctica, emails to tell us that this island nation can now be heard live worldwide on the website Radio Garden. That's a non-profit radio and digital research project developed by the Netherlands Institute for sound and vision. The name of the site again, Radio Garden. Nice to know we can be heard worldwide from CRY 104 FM and you on the East Cork coastline.
3: This Island Nation is also broadcast on community radio stations around Ireland. In Dublin on Near FM, Dublin City FM, Liffey Sound and Dublin South. On Dundalk FM, Athlone Community Radio. In Galway on Connemara Community Radio and Kinvara FM. Radio Corkabushgeen in Clare, Kilkenny City Radio, West Limerick 102 FM, in Mayo on Community Radio Castle Bar and RSFM Belmullet, Cork City Radio, West Cork FM and Community Radio Bear Island, on Apple Podcasts and podcasts on Mixcloud, Soundcloud, Spotify and the Maritimes.ie.
0: Wherever you've been listening, thank you for being part of the maritime community on Community Radio. The program email address is thisislandnation at gmail.com. That's thisislandnation at gmail.com. Phone or text 0872 555 197. That's 0872 555 197. Your comments and contributions are always most welcome. Until our next program, from Justin Marr and from me, Tom McSweeney, the usual wish of fair sailing.